Welcome to the Master Passive Income Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, by investing in real estate so you never, ever have to work a job again. And today, I am bringing on a fantastic real estate investing expert who has flipped lots and lots of properties and also holds rental properties as well as teaches people how to do it. He's a fantastic investor, also a friend of mine that I'm bringing on the show so he can show you how you can invest in real estate and quit that J-O-B. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm super pumped and blessed to have you on the show here with me. And I am excited to bring on a friend of mine who is an investor. Now, this friend, I met him. He's a fantastic investor. I met him at a conference. I think it was like 2017, maybe even 2018. I met him at this conference, and he and I just hit it off because at this conference, it's called FinCon. And you could probably heard from other you know, previous shows recently, I've met a lot of people through conferences. FinCon's one really good conference that I meet a lot of financial bloggers and podcasters and people that teach how to invest. And he teaches how to invest in real estate, just like I do. And I said, hey, you do real estate. I do real estate. Here we have our own podcast. Let's hang out. So we started hanging out. He's a great guy. And he has done so much in his real estate investing that he is now, just like I have been blessed to be successfully unemployed because of our investing, both of us want to start helping people. Now, the great thing about my friend is he's done so many great things. I personally don't want to flip houses. My friend that I bring it on has done a lot of flipping, but he also loves rental properties as well. You know, flipping, you buy a house, fix it up, put in lots of money and lots of work into it, and then sell it for a higher price. That's not for me. That's too much work. I want to just buy a house, have somebody else fix it up, and then rent it out, and then make money whether the market goes up, down, or sideways for months and months and years and years, and then pass these properties down to my kids. And as I was thinking about all these fantastic people that I've met at conferences, people who are great investors, as well as that teach people, I thought, man, there's nothing like this for real estate investing. And that's why I created the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference, RubeCon for short. And I started thinking, man, all of us great investors that have audiences, we all want to have our own meetups. We all want to get together and just really help each other out. And I thought there's no conference like that. So I thought, thought to myself, well, let's just go ahead and create one. So I've got 27 speakers now that are great friends of mine. They're great investors as well. And the conference is literally next week. Oh my goodness, all this planning is now coming to fruition to where it's going to be such an amazing conference. You can still get your tickets, get the promo code Dustin, get your tickets for $50 off so that you can get a discount just because you listen to the podcast. I really want you to be here with us, hanging out with us and get those tickets at rewbcon.com, rubcon.com. And you can get your tickets there. Link will be in description. And remember, use that promo code Dustin. Get your ticket for $50 off the ticket. And it'll be here in Phoenix. It's literally amazingly beautiful right now. It's like a high of, 
I don't know, 72, 73 degrees. It is amazing here. And it's going to be in March, obviously. Uh, March is beautiful here in Phoenix. Summertime is very hot. That's the reason why I didn't do the conference in the summer because it's very hot. But right now it's absolutely amazing, especially if you're in like the East Coast where it's or North, where it's very cold and very snowy. Man, get away from that. Come down here and hang out with us at the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. And I'm bringing on my friend today. He's a fantastic investor. In fact, He's been a part of Bigger Pockets. He's even written his own book, his own YouTube channel and podcast. Really great guy, Chad Carson. Let's bring him on the show so you can learn how you can invest in real estate and become successfully unemployed just like we are. All right, here we go. Chad, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, it's a pleasure, Dustin. Thanks for having me. It's been a long, long time since we've connected in person, but I always enjoy talking with you. Man, I remember just watching how you've done so much in your real estate investing business, but then at the same time, um, you know, writing your book, you know, having your awesome YouTube channel, literally teaching people how to do this stuff. That's something that um, I, I really appreciate about you because I'm in the same boat where I just love helping. I love, I want to see people succeed. And so it's great bringing you on because then everybody else gets to hear how awesome it is, you know, just working with you and seeing everything that you do. So um, talk to us a little bit about your really how you got started, not necessarily like the steps that you took, but what were you doing before? Like, I know you play, this is so cool. You played football at Clemson. That's, that's pretty awesome. Like if everybody, everybody could see the pictures of you being all, all yoked out, <laughs> probably eating lots and lots of calories to get really big. I played football at Fresno state, even though we never played, you know, against each other. I was like, Oh, great. We got another football player investing. But, um, Talk to us a little about how you, like, what was the perspective and what you were doing before and then getting into investing and were there any hurdles that got you along the way that you had to jump over? Right. Yeah. So my, my story, I mean, everybody's got a different path, right? And I always appreciated your story of, you know, being in a job and kind of getting fed up with it and then leaving. And mine was a little bit more from the beginning. I, I was playing football in college and I was a biology major. So I was kind of a student, you know, student athlete where you're going to school a lot. And I was thinking about going to medical school. And, but I just, I was just tired from playing football. And I was like, I just, I just need a break. I actually tried to go to the NFL. That didn't really work out. I was really tired of just like big meetings and having to be on other people's agendas and show up at this football practice. So I'm just going to take a break. And I wanted to, and the, the break for me, kind of the quote break was, you know, I'm going to try out this thing called real estate investing as an entrepreneur, like where I'm going to actually try to make some money, you know, to put the food on the table. And luckily for me, though, as a brand new, you know, 23 year old, I had a Toyota Camry that I had paid off, and I didn't have any college debt because I got a scholarship to play football. So I was really fortunate in that respect, and I was able to move back in at home for a little while. So I had very, very low overhead, low expenses, and it was pretty low risk for me to take that shot. You know, I could just worst case scenario live in the car or you know eat some ramen noodles or something. Didn't have anybody to support, so I took I kind of took that chance from the beginning. But the reason I did that, I think, looking back, was I just really it's really appealing to me to to not have to have control my own schedule, to be an entrepreneur. And there's also, you know, a dark side of that is that you are 100 percent everything's on you as an entrepreneur. You have to produce income. There's no guarantees. There's no security with that. But the other side of that, just that that freedom and that flexibility and that, that allure of being an entrepreneur, just so magnetic to me. That once I started doing it for a few months, it was a struggle, you know, trying to find deal. I was a deal finder for other people. Didn't have any, a lot of capital. I didn't have any capital to get started. I had to figure out ways to do that. We could talk about it. The, the long story short for me was that that kind of 
the north on my compass was flexibility and freedom. And once I got a taste of it, I was like, I can't go, I can't go back into the, any kind of job or work for anybody else. I just, I'm just going to keep doing this. And so that was 19 years ago. I started a, as an entrepreneur flipping houses and finding deals for other people to make money. But that was a great skill that eventually let me start buying rental properties too, uh, with a business partner. The two of us have been in business for 19 years together. And so that is kind of transitioned from more of the active side of real estate to now I'm more of the the passive side where I, we own rental properties, a portfolio, and we just collect the rent and, you know, just spend a little bit of time just make managing our managers and making sure maintenance is done and capital expenses are done. There's always, you know, issues here and there, but uh, it's been a fun kind of journey, but all within the real estate investing space. That's great. And I definitely, I have other questions, but a question I want to get to in the future uh, of the show is partnering with somebody. Cause that's something that I was like, wow, partnering is, that's just uh, something that I don't really uh, look forward to. I've done in the past, but anyways, I, I'll get to that a little bit later. But right now I want to ask you about, so you talk about, you teach a lot about how to really get good deals, how to, how to find deals. Cause that's something a lot of people that that's one hurdle. And the other hurdle is definitely financing. You know, most people, the biggest hurdle is saying, well, where do I find the properties? And you're good, really good at finding good properties, especially, you know, cutting your teeth on finding deals for other people. That's a great way to start learning how to invest and not just invest, but being in the realm of real estate investing in general, being around other great investors that can give you understanding and, and help you to get education and excuse me, knowledge and things like that. So I thought, I think that's a fantastic idea. If you were to start over again, would that be the same path as, you know, start, start trying to make some money, trying to find properties and maybe wholesale and things like that? Or is there a different path or what would you say we should start if we're going to be doing investing? You said something that hit the nail on the head to kind of help me lead into that answer is that in real estate, I think you either, it's like a puzzle. And I found like two big puzzle pieces. You either have the deal or you have the money. And like, if, if and so for, in my case, I didn't have any money. And so like, I had to, I had to look at my, my, I had to look at my personal and just be honest, like, all right, I'm just out of college. I got a thousand bucks in the bank. I've got my car, but like my, the banks didn't really care that I had a car and made A's in college. Like they, they didn't care. They were not going to give me the loan. And so I think I didn't have a lot of experience or money. What I did have was a lot of energy and effort. I was willing to learn and just go out and I had a ton of time. And, and so I think when I assessed myself and said, all right, here's what I have young energy, a lot of time. So I, I think that fit more on the deal finding side because what 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 you know now is as experienced real estate investor, there's there's people out there who have money or they have access to money or good credit or a down payment, but they would love for somebody to help them find a deal. And and but they, maybe they're busy at their job, maybe they're long distance and they don't have, you know, they're not local in that market. So I, I just found that like if you identify one thing that meets your skills and in real estate investing, getting a deal is so critical and it's so hard. So I just made it my, my goal to, to just, just like you would go to school to learn how to be, you know, to be a mechanic on a car or fix something like I'm going to learn how to find good deals. And I would go to classes. There wasn't a lot of YouTube. I'm kind of dating myself here that there was no YouTube to <laughs> find good. Oh yeah. Videos. When we got started, there was nothing like what we have now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, but so they had networking groups and you had to pay $5,000 for some guru to, at a seminar, but you know, you, you found ways to, to just learn. And so I, the kind of the little, some, just some takeaways on that. One of my favorite things to do that I've done from the very beginning, still do, if you drop me in a new city today, this is what I would do from ground zero would be to just go out and either drive for dollars or walk for dollars. And what that means is just picking a neighborhood or neighborhoods, we get very granular, very small and say, I'm going to 
drive or have somebody else drive. If you're long distance, you could pay somebody to do this as, as well. But you want to just go inside a neighborhood and look for a few things. You want to look for vacant properties. If, if a property is obviously nobody's living in it, you would just make a note of that. Either put it on a list. There's apps as well that you could use kind of if you wanted to take another step up. But just for now, put it on a list, identify what the address is, and then keep writing, looking for other vacant houses or other houses that are lived in, but are obviously fixer upper houses where you know five houses on the street are great. This one house is just run down. It's got, you know, the windows are broken or the there's paint peeling everywhere. You're looking for something where the investments have not been made in the property to maintain it. And it probably, if they put it on the market, it wouldn't get top value until they spent some of that money. So I'm looking for those two first and foremost, but also for rent by owners, for sale by owners. And, and so as if, if you are really ambitious and you are really focused, you could go out every single day picking different streets to ride down. And the more back, you know, in the back of the neighborhood, the better, or the more obscure, the better. And I could probably for two or three hours, maybe I'd find 10 to 20 properties that I could add to my list. And, and then I would follow up with those, those properties. I would either, if I'm at the property, like talk to the neighbors, put a note on the door, um, maybe send them a, a few letters, try to find a phone number, call them. There's lots of other ways to find deals, but that's just such a direct to the source. You don't have to have a lot of money to do it. You have, just have to have time. And that's that's the kind of stuff I did, just start hustling. And I, I brought something to the table because what I didn't have was the money. I didn't have a lot of knowledge, but I could go talk to people and just kind of get out of my own way and get out of my comfort zone and do that. And I was able to eventually, it wasn't right away. It took me about six months to start finding deals to get paid on. But I f started finding deals that in the first the first level, my dad was a rental property investor. And so he would pay me 2000 bucks if I found a deal that he liked that he wanted to buy. And so I made 2000 bucks on my first deal. I was excited. I loved it. I was still living in the bed, my old high school bedroom at that point. And hey guys, get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. And I'll give you, literally give you my real estate investing course showing you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first, how to scale the business, buy the right properties, making $250 or more every single month in passive income. I'll literally just give it to you you can get started investing right away. Text the word rental to 33777. But I, I got successfully found some deals for about six months. And then I moved out on my own, I moved back up to South Carolina from Georgia, where I was, and just took those skills that I learned those first years and was able to kind of use those to start buying my own properties at that point. So in my business now, I mean, I'm blessed to now have enough properties where money comes in. I don't have to do a lot of work. Like you said, we're more passive now where I literally have so many people sending me deals like in my email inbox. I just get emails from wholesalers. I love wholesalers. They're so fantastic. They work so hard and I'm totally fine with paying them two, three, four thousand $4,000 that cause they did all that work. And then as long as it's still a good deal for me where I'm making passive income, it fits my business model, then I'm going to buy the property. So I love wholesalers. And so anybody that's trying to get started, you definitely need cash, cash in your in your bank account or experience. Those are the two things that you really, really need that'll get you into that. If you have experience and no money and you have the context, that's another way to get it. But at the same time, not everybody has either one of those when you start. So wholesaling, getting deals is fantastic. Plus you would use those in your future investing. Like if you're like, great, I need deals. Boom, you implement what you already know and you can already go ahead and do that. Okay, so Chad, now that we say that we probably are getting deals and we're hopefully making a little bit of money, but unless you get that next deal, wholesaling that next deal or, you know, selling off that next deal, you can't, you, you don't have any passive income. What would you say, like, what, what is your opinion on, uh, I guess, talk to me about how we could transition from getting deals, making money where it's just one time, you know, one off deal to make money 
to then we can start being more passive like you are now. You said it exactly right. Wholesaling and even flipping houses, like flipping houses, fixing it up and flipping it. Both of those are just a job, man. And they're great. Like, I love that business. It's not for everyone. Like being a wholesaler is really a sales business. It, you, you know, you're a wholesaler if you're willing to get like 50 no's in order to get one yes. Like if you're not willing to do that, like if, if you're not good at if you're not good at sales in the first place, then uh, don't mess with wholesaling. But in this, and with flipping, if you're not good at project management, and if you don't really like the vision of a property and the before and after, and you don't love remodeling, you know, fixing and flipping properties is, is they're both just businesses and they can make money. But eventually what we learned, and this was, we were doing flipping to make money, but we, we you know, learned that if we could event, like flip a couple properties, but then on that third property that we, we had the, the bills paid for, let's try to keep that one and, and, and eventually be able to, for, the, for a couple of reasons. One, if you sell a property quickly, the tax laws are working against you. You know, all you're paying self-employment tax. If you make enough money, you're paying higher tax rates on the ordinary income. Whereas if you keep a property, even if you kept it for a year as a rental property and sold it, there's a much, at least right now in 2021, and historically, typically, the capital gains rates are a lot lower uh, than if you do ordinary income tax rates. And there's also a, a huge toolbox of tax uh, benefits, like you know, I love depreciation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, de depreciation, <laughs> other other things. So, um, so anyway, we, we just learned that keeping a property over is if you can not have to get the money right now by living cheaper and also living frugally and not, and just make enough money to pay for it. You want to keep them as long as you can. And what we did, we, some, some of those properties we didn't keep forever though, up front, we had to still sell them, but we would keep them for a couple of years, lease it to a tenant and then help our tenant become a homeowner and buy the property from us. Um, and that was, it's almost like a delayed flip. You know, we would keep it, um, let, it took them a while to get their loan. And that was sort of an intermediate, like a short term hold that we started using. And then, but then every once in a while, you find a property that had really good long term financing where we could get a 30 year financing loan or just a really good location where it had a lot of growth potential or really good cash flow. And then we'd start keeping a few of them as well. And, but that's keeping those is, a, is like, I compare it like a fruit tree to like a cash crop. Like the fruit trees are these, they don't bear a lot of fruit, an apple tree, the first four or five years, but eventually those fruit trees, the rents grow. The expenses go, you know, stay the same, and the, the the margins you make on your cash flow, just like an apple tree that matures, you know, five ten years later. Now the rental properties make a lot of money over the long run, but they don't. They're not going to feed you like from day one. You've got to do something else, either a job, flipping, whatever, to feed yourself. But then those fruit trees blossom if you're patient. Yeah, I love that, and that's what I did in a different way, where I was still working a job and I was working that job, and then you know being just over broke, and then as over time property after property after property, I had so much money coming in, you know, 30 press properties. I'm like, my goodness, why am I working here? I'm making $75,000 a year here, but I'm losing money because all this time I could be building my business. Okay. So I definitely want to ask you about partnering because you still have your partner. It's been many years now partnering. And for me, and it could be I, maybe the partners that I pick, but I've had plenty of partners in the past, but it turns out that I do almost 100% of the work and then I get half the profits and I get 100% of the liability. Talk to me about the benefits of having a partner and how it's benefited your business. Yeah. I mean, I think in some respects we got lucky that some of the things worked out. I mean, I, I remember when I first started the partnership, I had uh, a couple of teachers or people who were at classes were saying, eh, partnerships never work. You shouldn't do that. And, you know, I think as many cases are right, that a partnership's a lot like a marriage than that, you know, like you got, you've got to really have a lot of alignment and you got to be careful in who you get in the partnership with. I think the reasons are we got into the partnership in the first place, we were both newer investors and 
but the way we, we, we were getting in the business of flipping houses. And so we just divided up the business in half. And so like I was the acquisitions person, I was the finding the money person. He was managing the remodels and he was managing selling them. And so like, it was a very clear delineation and we both had to do a lot of work in order to make that happen. Um, so I, I think division of labor division, cause like what you said, if you're, if one person's doing all the work and the other person's just like, eh, I'm just getting half the benefits for nothing. It makes the other person resentful and it just, it can, it can really lead to a lot of problems. So that was the, the good start. Obviously, I think it goes to it without saying that there should be a trustworthy person, someone that you can, you know, you trust and, and not going to steal from you or you know, kind of rip you off over the long run. That was important. I was already friends and I felt really, really good about him as a, as a person, his character. But then I think the other thing we we're kind of lucky on is that everybody changes. Like even you know, like in a marriage, things change and a partnership, things change. Our goals change. Our priorities change. What we need at that moment changes. And I think as we evolved as a business. We both had, I think, the humility, and I was for definitely my business business partner that to like take different roles and say, okay, Chad right now is is to make playing a role where he's adding a lot more value. Let's pay him a little bit more at the moment. Um, you know, like I was out there finding deals. Sometimes that we just flipped and he never even saw them. And so in those cases, maybe I make a little bit higher fee on that deal. Then we split the rest of it 50-50. So I, I think there's just that give and take. Like I I, I found like. Uh, any good leaders are just have humility. They have like, they're, they're not, it's not about them. It's about helping the other person. And if you're willing to do that, both from both sides, both people are willing to do that and, and help the other person out and be, you know, make yourself not the main thing. I'm not saying that's what happened in your, in your like with, with a, any other partner, but I think it's just so difficult as it is with partnerships that, um, that's, that, that helped us adapt a little bit and change to the point where now, like over the last 10 years, my business partner has another business that he does an online business that provides a lot of capital. So he's able to invest some money in our, on our deals that we do. But I, I got into more of the role of managing the managers and kind of more of the day-to-day -day stuff and the stuff that we do have. And so I'm still more like overseeing things, whereas he's more, a little bit more passive, but we have a role that works and I'm paid a little bit more for that. And so th those have been some of the details that helped us work it out. That's great. I love that delineation of different tasks that you're going to do where, as opposed to we, everybody does everything. Then one person potentially takes over and it's like just default. Well, they're not doing it. I got to do it. So I love that idea because partnerships definitely work. You just have to have the right dynamic between the two or however many people are working together because there've been many great partnerships from many great companies in the past uh, that work really, really well together. So you guys continually uh, work well together. Now with coachcarson.com and everything for your online business, is he a part of that as well? Just as a advisor. Now he, he, I kind of started my own thing there. And so my wife, Carrie is the, is the partner on that one. And, um, but yeah, it's, so I, I, that's kind of how we've evolved. He's had other things he wanted to do. I've had other things I wanted to do. I was more into the teaching and he, like, he never wanted to get on stage and do all that. I probably says something better about him than me, maybe that he would just always want to stay behind the scenes. Uh, but yeah, he, he's, he's, he's equally, he's equally contributed or more than I have to the business, but he's just not, not wanted to, hasn't been as interested in, and just kind of getting out in front of the crowds or doing any of that. Got it. So as we're building our business, so we, we do it some wholesaling and we're, we're finding deals. We're getting pretty decent at finding deals. Then we are able to accumulate one rental property and then maybe get some more and then get another one. Is there any, like, talk to me about how we can scale the business to where we can eventually have enough money where we don't have to work for somebody else or we don't have to keep flipping that next deal. How do we scale the business in our rental properties to, so that we can basically have the freedom in our lives? 
Yeah, I mean, I think two things come to mind for me. One is the just the financial side of of getting enough properties that it pays your bills. So I know you do a really great job of talking about this, kind of working it backwards from how much do you want to pay for your lifestyle, and then how many properties is that going to take to do it. And so that's that's you know that's the thing I love about real estate. It's kind of a simple math equation. It's just like it, it's addition and subtraction as opposed to trying to like work any any kind of crazy math out. So, you know, I'll use your kind of numbers you talk about. If it's 300 bucks a month and you need 30,000, you know, 30 or $3,600 a year and you wanted, uh, you know, 60,000 bucks, you would need about 20 properties, you know, plus or minus, right. To, to get that, that math to work out. And that's just multiplying the amount of cash flow you can produce. Um, and then by how many properties you need. The only thing I'll add to that, and this might be a good discussion for both of us too, is like, as you know, that we found that there was a, it took us a while to actually say, we know we can live off this cash flow, even though on paper, like it looks like we got it because real estate has these fluctuations. You know, you have the top line oh, yeah. rent, rent that you're collecting, but then the expenses that you actually spend, you know, your mortgage is fixed, but these capital expenses and the taxes or the, uh, yeah, capital expenses and maintenance and things like that. Tenants move out, things like that. Tenants move out. Then all of a sudden you're not getting that rent. So I think it takes, it took us a while to really have a, a baseline. I'm like, okay, here's those roller coasters of cash flow. Here's like the lowest we've ever been. Here's the highest we've ever been. Here's what we can count on. And then here's some reserves just to kind of smooth out those. those I'm not sure if you found, did you find that to be the case too, the kind of translating well, the paper, paper to, the, to the real life? Absolutely. And that's something that it was harder for me to quit my job when I wanted to, or I would say, so about six years into investing, I could have quit my job, at least on paper. It definitely looked like, hey, we should be making this much. But yeah, as you know, like ebb and flow of how everything goes in this business, there are some months, like one month, like what really scared me, that got me to not quit any sooner. In fact, I waited two more years to quit because I had, I wanted to make sure we were completely fine. But there was one month, instead of, I don't instead of making like 6000 or 7000 whatever I was making at the time uh, from one, from, from my properties, I got like $150 or something like that. Like it was, it was so bad. Everything from, I bought a house and that money was going to fix it up. I had an eviction and I had like, like maybe a furnace go out. Like it was, it was a perfect storm of like, wow, okay. If I'm living on this, I better make sure that I have even more so above and beyond. And so for me, it was when I started feeling more like my risk tolerance was getting so much more. I felt more free that we our income was genuinely over and above what we would probably ever need. Like, let's say our expenses were $4,200 a month. Every single month, bringing in $7,000, like consistently, yeah. even with evictions, even with, yeah. you know, fixing up, we were we were above that mark. And I was like, okay, now it's time to quit. But uh, one quick caveat too, my wife is very uh, risk averse. And so I was getting loans for properties uh, to buy and scale the business. And then when I was quitting, she said, well, we have a little bit of extra money. How about we start paying off or we pay off these loans so we don't have that expense, you know, that coming out like, oh, man, babe, then I can't go buy more properties. Like, I'm going to use up that cash to pay off the loan. She goes, well, if you're going to quit, that's what we got to do. I'm like, all right, fine. So we're blessed. Most of our properties are paid off now. But yeah, you're 100% right. That's something that as you're getting too closer to, you know, quitting, you have to account for that. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I mean, we we still have some debt on our properties, but we've been for years now paying off debt, and we'll save up money, pay off a mortgage, save up more money, and that's the, we did the same thing. Like we we the money I lived off of that we paid ourselves out of the business was like one amount, and then we had a much larger amount uh, that we on paper should make. And some months, you know, we get down to the you know bare bones of what we were paying ourselves. Other months, we had a huge excess, and that extra money we would set aside and retain and use to either pay off debt or to buy other properties. Uh, whichever one made more sense at the time. 
but I, I like, like you, like, I think sometimes the paper math, like is one thing and like the risk and uncertainty is another. And it's, it's so, I think we've all learned with coronavirus and how quickly things can change and how nobody can really predict what's next. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't care how smart somebody thinks they are. I get kind of annoyed by the YouTube, you know, all the, the videos about this oh, is yeah. what's next. And this is what's happening in 2022. It's just, it's all BS. It's just, it doesn't, it's not real. But the, the thing is like, we know, none of us really know. And the only way to counteract that uncertainty is by re- having cash reserves and by reducing mm-hmm. your portfolio risk. And that's by paying off debt. Like that's, it's, it's not sexy. It's not like the thing that everybody wants to talk about, but I, I think your right, wife is right. I think it's like, it, <laughs> it, it took me, my wife, my wife was the one who talked me into it on our own house, for example, paying the, our debt off on our house. I was oh, it's so great not having a mortgage, yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. But it was a 3% mortgage. I'm like, oh, we can easily make, you know, five or 6% or 10%. <laughs> and, and so it's this entrepreneur go-getter and like making money is one thing, but protecting and keeping your money over the next rest of your life, that's a different game. Like It's almost like you're playing a different sport and it's a different set of rules and it's a different set of winning uh, game game plans. And, and so I, I like that you also kind of balance that. I, th- I think it's it takes a little longer to get there sometimes, but I think this endless, we're always going to grow, we're always going to grow, we're always going to grow without plowing back some of your profits, paying your debt off, increasing your cash flow, reducing your risk, simplifying your life. Like there's so many benefits to that and it can give you a lot of peace of mind, again, to live off of it. If you really want to live off of it and count on it, um, that's ultimately the, the a much more stable place to be. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. And it sounds like uh, your wife and my wife are, would get along really, really well with all this. So and that's probably the reason why you and I get along really well as well. Um, so talk to me now about the idea of because you know, getting started and buying your first property, there's there's a lot of nuances. But I have somebody like you who now have kids and you're building your life and you're making sure that you're also protecting everything, protecting your wealth as well. Talk to me about how do we also now transition that to where our kids are learning how to invest, being wise with our money, even being able to potentially give generational wealth, give these properties to our kids. Talk to me about what you're doing right now to set your children up, not to be jerks, like, you know, trust fund kids, but setting up them them up really well so that they would uh, be really well taken care of, uh, you know, knowledge-wise, investment knowledge-wise and finances, but at the same time financially. Yeah, I, this is a very fresh kind of topic on my mind. I have an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and they, you know, they like any kid, I think they ask like, what do you, you know, what mom, what do you do? Dad, what do you do? Like in terms of like, what do you do when I'm not at school and you're just like mm-hmm. doing something else? And so it's, it's always curiosity. And so I've, I've been always trying to find ways to have that discussion. I spend a lot of my time, you know, making videos. So they, they know me more as like the, the YouTuber and they think that's yeah. so cool because like <laughs> kids, you know, kids now they love like YouTube and there's the Mr. Oh, Beast yeah. and all that stuff. What's like, your well, dad not, do? He's a YouTuber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like Mr. Beast. Yeah. Like, oh really? Does he fill up you know, bathtubs full or, or swimming pools full of, <laughs> full of like, you know, gumbo or something. And, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Much more boring than that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, but we do have conversations and I had, I had a moment the other day, Dustin, where we were actually sharing a book with them that was about like teenagers, financial dependence for teenagers. And they, they had started reading and I was like, wow, that's amazing. I'm so, so happy about that. I was like, what did you learn? She's like, well, I learned that I'm definitely going to house hack when I get to be, you know, older and I, I'm going to live in one unit and I'm going to rent the other unit out. And, and then, you know, later on when I have enough, I'll buy my house that I really want. And you know, it was like, like the, I was like, wow, that's so amazing. It's my eight year old. And I just had to give her like a pat on the back. And it's like, you know, that is oh, amazing. Yeah. amazing. And, and so I don't know, I like, I think they might be a little more nerdy and, and kind of tilted that way. Cause I'm, they hear me talking about it, but 
I think if nothing else, like just trying to demonstrate like this is, uh, you know, this is how, why I'm here when you get off the bus, like this is why I'm able to be present with you that money's not, that is the, not the most important thing, but like it, if you can be good with it and spend a little bit of time thinking about it, then whatever you want to do, if you want to be an artist, like my girls love art. If you want to go acting, acting is not going to pay you much money. I promise you. But if you want to act, <laughs> if you want to act every day and go to the local theater and whatever, despite what money that, that makes or does, does it make like, if you can take care of the money on the side, then you can, whatever you dream of, you can do it. And, and so I, I think that's, that's the message that I, I try to share with them on the big picture, but then on a practical level, we do some little kind of envelope savings things. I think we got them from Dave Ramsey where we do a you know family meeting on Sunday evening and they have some chores they just have to do as part of the family. Some chores they, they do and they get some money for. So if they take the trash out, they get a dollar. If they clean the bathroom, they get a dollar. And then <clears throat> they're learning to put some of that. It's just, they're spending money. They get to do with it. Some of that money they put into a, another little envelope that they get to uh, save for the future. And then another one's a giving money and then give that away. And it's been kind of fun to see what, you know, my eight-year-old loves animals. And so she's like trying to say, you know, preach to us about all the animals and how much they're, they're getting hurt in these situations. And like, okay, well, let's figure out how to, how are we going to help with that? How and we help. Yep. Yeah. The, the older one has different things she's interested in. So I think all of you know, money, again, is just a tool just for adults too, mm-hmm. but it, it, it touches every part of our lives. And if we can be really deliberate about it and thoughtful about it, it can make a big difference. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. Especially, you know, building up our children to have good financial sense as well. And I mean, the envelope is, is a great way to do it, too. Um, and in all, if we can pass this down to our kids, let alone, obviously, all of our students and people that, you know, come like through CoachCarson.com and Master Passive Income, we can pass this along. But at the same time, like all your YouTube videos, like your girls in the future will be able to say, hey, let's go watch our dad. He could teach us how to do this. And it's right there, too. So it's it's a blessing to be able to build up our children. Now, Chad, now also you have your own podcast. You, I mean, coachcarson.com, like everything about what you're doing is so fantastic. You give us so much great stuff. In fact, where you do the, I don't know, you put the camera down and you're actually drawing on a piece of paper or like a whiteboard or something like that. Like, man, that's so awesome. I can't do that. Like for some reason, my brain does not work like that. And so I definitely want everybody to be able to find you, reach out to you. So how can they find you? How can they reach out to you? Anything else you want to do, you know, give to them or anything like that for our audience? Cause I know they're going to want to check everything out that you have. Well, thank you. It was very kind of you to say, and it's, you know, being a teacher, I think has been, I've learned is my true calling. Like I, I, I just love teaching and love sharing, which I know you do too. And the best thing's fun. Like I, I, I'm always going to be investing, but for me, it's, if we can make wealth, if we can build wealth, we can have, uh, not have to work a job, but then we can also bring a lot of friends with us. Like it makes it much more interesting because the, the motto of my whole, my podcast, my YouTube channel, my blog is do what matters. And for me, that means that you know, your, your time is the most precious commodity. And when you have a job that's forcing you to spend your time, trading your time for money, that's not necessarily, you might love your job, right? But the, you're, you're always on the somebody else's schedule. They're telling you what matters. Whereas when you can finally kind of in, in increments, you know, you can take control of your own time, then you choose what matters. It's almost like you're an 18 year old kid again, and you get to decide, you know, what I want to be when I grow up, like, who do I want to be when I grow up? And I don't care if you're 35 or if you're 55 or 75, like when you had that moment when you can do that, it's, it could be a little scary, but it's also exhilarating and it's, it gives you freedom. And so I, I can't think of anything better than trying to teach some tools that help 
people do that. And that's what I aspire to do and try to do through the, like the YouTube channel is more of a kind of a tutorials. And like, like you said, I have a whiteboard and I get out, all right, here's, here's what a cap rate is. Here's how you run the numbers and just try to be real simple and break it down and explain it. I, I like to draw and I'm very visual. Uh, and then the podcast, I'm going to have you on my show as well. So I have really great investors who have already accomplished a lot of their goals, other investors who are brand new and just trying to get along. Uh, and so that's, that's my, I have every Monday, a podcast, every Friday, a YouTube video. So people can check me out at, they can go to coachcarson.com or just Google coach Carson, uh, or search on YouTube. Uh, the podcast and YouTube will show up. Uh, if you, if you search for that, man, Chad, you give us lots of great in, insights and wisdom and I appreciate your friendship, man. It's been great to get, uh, you know, having you on the show and then also knowing you. you. So I really appreciate your time. And I, I know the audience is going to just eat all this up. So thank yeah. you very much, Chad. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And that is it for today. Go ahead and get my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. You can also join my real estate wealth builders group coaching. Get all my courses. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next show. See ya.